0: Welcome to the business design podcast, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs design and build businesses that succeed on their own, even if you take a six month vacation. We're your hosts, Ian, John, and Scott, and we're here to share the successes and pitfalls of many entrepreneurs like you and equip you to make daily progress in your business. For our audience, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got started, what your story is, and yeah, could you introduce yourself?
1: Sure, so I am basically a life coach or a personal development coach for software developers. What I like to say when people ask me what I do is I help software developers to become cool. What does that mean <laughs> when you say somebody to become cool? So really it's, it's the personal development, but really I think a lot of software developers struggle with a common set of issues. A lot of it is being very shy, having mm-hmm. confidence issues, right? If you think about the stereotypical software developer, which isn't every developer, but a lot of developers are the kind of guys that maybe, and, and gals, that were maybe picked on in high school mm-hmm. that, you know, didn't really have the higher social skills that, so they gravitated towards computers and computer programming and maybe they're not as fit. And so, I teach them how to basically develop all of these other areas of their life which enables them to succeed, not, not just in their careers much better because soft skills are so important to, to career to your career, not just the technical skills, but also just to live a better life, to be more fulfilled to do the things that they didn't think were possible and and i come from from the background of of having struggled and gone through that myself so i i was able to conquer a lot of my fears i was very shy very lazy very socially awkward type of person when i was younger and i learned how to conquer those things i learned a lot of the things that I think that you would see more in the marketing and sales and a lot of the entrepreneurship circles, a lot of the books and and Mm -hmm. type of techniques. Mm -hmm. And I started applying them to myself. And now I take that and I bring that knowledge to software developers.
0: Wow. So can you kind of unpack a little bit about your backstory and kind of what that was like for you to grow up? Where did you, where were you born? How did you kind of like, tell us about a little bit of your childhood and your middle school, high school years and those experiences that kind of led you to where you
1: were able to overcome those fears. Okay, so I was I was born in New Jersey, and my uh, my father was Air Force. He was Air Force for twenty years, so we lived all over the United States. So I, I moved around a lot. That maybe contributed to me being more shy, but I think it was just a, a personality trait that that I had. And you know, I was sort of the the kind of dorky kid in in school for most of most of school, and then I got to high school. I actually went to high school in Hawaii. And I remember, like the first two years of high school or so, I was just I was kind of scrawny, you know, but a little bit overweight, and I got picked on a lot. I, I would, wow. you know, high school in Hawaii is is a little bit rough. <laughs> There's a lot of Samoans and <laughs> and, and Filipinos and kind of like really big guys, Hawaiian guys and stuff, and they don't really like uh, like non locals that much. It's you know, it's it's kind of rough. So I got beat up a lot. And then my sophomore year of high school, well, actually, what ended up happening was. One, one day I, I remember waking up in the morning and I had this sort of revelation I, I, I just had this idea and, and I th- what came to my head was why not me right and and, and and what I was thinking about was you know why are other people able to be athletes mm-hmm. in in school and to you know to be able to uh, be cool or be socially right and, and why not me and and when I thought about that, there was no there was no answer there why not you was was really what my answer right. was so it came into my head to envision the kind of person that i wanted to be right not not a different person but the me the best me wow. that, that i wanted to be and I, I envisioned you know how would how would i walk how would i talk what, what would i say what would i wear right and i started actually pretending to be that person wow and you know kind of a fake it till you make it and then I became that person, and it's uh, it, it's it's amazing. And, and I realized that was the power. Now it took time; it didn't happen overnight. And, and and it's still the process is still ongoing, right? You know, every time I achieve where I want to go, I set a new vision for myself, and I see the person that I want to be, and and I start pretending to be that person. I start acting, and you know, so I, I always say like, you know, if you act as if, mm. uh, that that's, it's such a powerful concept, and, and you'll eventually become. You know, some people call it fake it till you make it, yeah. But but that's what really set me on this path, and and then you know, a lot of the things I still had to conquer things, right? I, I was I was on the right path, but later on in, in my life especially later in my career, I ended up facing my fears, learning how to, uh, to to build confidence, how to talk to people, how to overcome, you know, a lot of the, the, the fears of, of being shy and, and, and those things. Like I, I tried to look at myself and say, you know, what, what are the things that you're struggling with? You know, what if I honestly look in the mirror and I honestly say, you know, where where can you improve? Like what what is preventing you from being the best version of yourself, or what what is preventing you from reaching your potential as, as you see it? And and I would look at those things and I would say, okay, so I'm going to work on that that thing. And, and that's it's a continual process. I'm still doing it, and, and I share it with my audience as I as I make the breakthroughs and, and help them along the way too.
0: So do you always kind of struggle with imposter syndrome and feeling or? I presume by now, because you've had, you know, a decade or more of a track record of succeeding, of envisioning and actually achieving it, that there's a level of baseline confidence that you currently, that gives you that foundation. But when you are starting out, what was that feeling like in terms of overcoming those imposter syndrome, like kind of like acting out something that you're envisioning, but not really being it yet and kind of that transition, what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was, it was tough because... I definitely struggled with imposter syndrome for for a while. Now I'm at the point where really I, I try not to, you know, I'm not perfect at it, right? No, no one is. And I still have flaws, but I really, to a great degree, don't care what other people think. I'm doing my mission. <laughs> yeah. it, it enables me to, to do so much. But back before I developed that sort of mindset, it was tough because, you know, what ends up happening, I think, a lot of times is you're successful at something and you wonder— was it luck, right? If you can't repeat the thing, if, if you don't have multiple successes at, at that thing, you might chalk it up for luck, right? Yeah. And so I found that really the only way to really overcome that is to, every time you make an improvement, every time you, you break through a barrier, you have two choices in life. And one of them is to push forward, push harder, keep going, or to fall back. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do now is if I overcome something, if I think I've overcome something, I push it even further okay. I, so that I know be, that I can actually have real confidence. Because confidence, I think, is, is the one thing in the world that you cannot fake. You can fake a lot of other things. But confidence is also simple to gain because confidence simply, if, we, if I were to say, you know, I, I'm confident in this, mm-hmm. you know, in a sentence, it, it means that I know the outcome. Right. I'm sure of it, right? right? But it also means the same thing. I found internally, and the only way to build confidence is to is through experience, is to actually overcome fears continually, and to know, you don't necessarily know what the outcome is, but you know what the possible outcomes are, or you're familiar with the outcomes, right. and then that breeds confidence. Yeah. So, I, I found the the formula to build confidence is simply take a fear, mm-hmm. overcome that fear, mm-hmm. do it again, do it again, do it again, and then that confidence is actually the opposite of the imposter syndrome. And then you have true confidence because you know that you can do it. You know the result.
0: Is there a key to not biting off too much when you're trying to uh, like tackle that first fear or maybe you're doing too much or you're setting unrealistic goals and the fear is too big to overcome that you, you fail at it, but like doing it smaller at a time. Like what, what are some of the tricks that you're using to make sure that you can get those tangible successes that you can then push further and further like, what are some of the tricks that you're doing right now to kind of overcome those fears in the beginning?
1: Sure. So, so what I've found, you know, I was a very fearful person for for a long time. Even even later in my career, only recently in the past. I'd say three years have I overcome I was afraid to fly on airplanes right it very limited me right. I mean for three months before I would go on a trip I would dread it and be thinking about it and it would it would ruin my life for three months before. I remember
0: seeing your your vlog around not having fears of riding roller coasters
1: yes yeah and, <laughs> and same thing roller coaster I mean I, I used to go to some of the theme parks and look at a roller coaster and say there is no way in hell I would ever ever get on that wow. thing wow uh, as, as a younger man I even as an an older man i was afraid to talk to women to to approach girls right to to open up a conversation or to hit on girls as a, as a, you know as you would call it but what i found with conquering those fears was you know i found definitely a strategy for doing that but what i found more so than than the strategy for doing that is that i had always had this impression that if you build enough courage fear will go away so i always had this impression that as far as like, let, let's take the fear of flying. Like mm-hmm. I thought that, well, in time, the fear will, will start to fade. I'll feel more confident and then I'll get on an airplane and it'll just go away mm-hmm. on, on its own. And what I found was that the opposite was true, was that if you let fear take uh, any foothold in your life, uh, you, you can't satiate fear. Fear has an insatiable hunger and it will just take over more and more of your life and it will consume your life. And I actually reached a point where I had panic attacks and and almost like a nervous breakdown and because fear was dominating my life. Right. And I, I, it almost was the end of really my career and and everything that, that I had going. And that's where I figured out how to, how to conquer fears. But more so that experience had taught me that when you're faced with a fear, even a small fear, that there are no incremental steps that what you have to do is you just have to take bold action and wow. go out there and, and face the fear 100% because I was continually trying to do steps before and that didn't work. It just made the fear greater. But when I boldly go after my fear and and what I also realized at that same time was that courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is acting in spite of fear. So where there is no fear, there is no courage. And right. so you could not become a courageous person unless, you know, a courageous person has lots of fears. They right. just take action and, and, and in spite of that fear. And so I decide to, again, with that vision, to become that person. And now that's that's how I, I live my life. So I sympathize for the people that want to find the, the stepping stones to yeah. cross the river of fear, right. but you just have to leap.
0: So I'd like to kind of transition to talking about the prolific amount of content and the teaching that you're doing with the mission that you have set upon making developers cool, right? So sure. it's not just developers being cool and whatnot. How did you actually come up with the idea that that was what you wanted to tackle? That that was what you wanted to solve, or you know, set as your mission statement per se, and kind of pursue? Because you had a really prolific programming or developer career, right? You were prolific on Plural Site as right. an author and had had great success over there. You know, being being able to retire if you wanted to, right? And you know, you were prolific in your real estate investments. Where you retired at 33, like, how did you choose that that was? And and also teaching other people and actually spending so much energy that you're doing right now, right. To create that content and teach other people, what was the impetus in the kind of the beginning of that?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's hard to say. It's not like I just had this one epiphany and just decided I was going to go down this road. Some of it comes back to, which I'll come back around and talk about what what I believe my purpose in life is and how to find it, but what started to happen was as I was having success on Pluralsight and producing all this technical content, I had a lot of blog posts on my blog that were more about mindset, right? They weren't quite where I'm I'm talking about personal development now, but they're more like mindset of working on a team. They were soft skills type of of content, and I started doing some talks about how to market yourself as a software developer because I found that I had learned a bunch of things that if I had applied earlier in my career could have helped me a lot. You know right. Things like what we're doing now, doing right. podcasts, right. Getting, getting your name out there and, and building a brand and a personal, a personal brand. And I wanted to teach that. So I did some talks on how to market yourself as a software developer. And after I would do those talks, people would come up to me and they would want to talk for four or five hours. Wow! And I started to realize that, hey, there's no one really doing soft skills type of stuff for software developers and and developers really, really want this, this, you know, people want to improve their lives. They want to improve their careers. And so I started adding more, you know, I started going more down the soft skills route. And at that point I was mostly focused on soft skills as related to career, to, right. you know, building right. a brand and reputation. And around that same time, I was going through a lot of uh, personal struggles with overcoming issues. The fear mm-hmm. was about that time as well. And I was having success in in breaking through those. I was being exposed to new ways of thinking where I I was this very analytical engineer type of person. And I was very against things that I considered to be like new age woo woo stuff. Right. And what ended up happening was I I sort of gave a chance and started reading a lot of, I started talking to a lot of millionaires because I was able to get into some of those circles. And I kept on asking them, what one book would you recommend? Mm -hmm. And so many people kept on reading this crazy, stupid book that I thought at the time called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And... I had read the book before, and I thought this is just crazy, you know, ridiculous stuff. Hmm. So, but I said, well, wait a minute. If all of these guys, right, the, the thing about being ignorant is you can't know you're ignorant. That you know, uh, because if someone is smarter than you, or rather, if they're wiser than you, you cannot. There's no way for you to perceive it. Uh, you, you just have to trust it, right? Because if you had the wisdom, then you would know it. You you, you lack the judgment. You know, wisdom is really, uh, really a, a high level of judgment. Right. And so. I said, okay. Well, let me just trust these guys because these guys are super successful. And even though I think I know it all and I'm smarter than them, and this is crazy stuff, I, I you know I reread the book and I started applying it, and I started reading a lot of books that these these people were recommending that I considered woo woo. And pretty soon, I became one of those woo woo guys because <laughs> because not only was I becoming more successful in my life, but I was becoming happier, more fulfilled. I was overcoming my barriers. I was having all these personal breakthroughs on things that I I didn't, character defects, things that I didn't see about myself before that I was able to overcome and change about myself. And, that, that that's really lit me up i wanted to share this with wow. the world i couldn't believe that that i had not been given these books as an 18 year old kid and and said this is what's really going to impact your life and, and change things i went to one of the, one of the moments that, that culminated everything was i went to this tony robbins seminar date with destiny and it, you know something that i would never have done like i mean people are dancing and hugging and you know <laughs> and uh, and and and
0: you it, do it too right you go all in right i you? go all in you know yeah i'm going i'm going <laughs> do it, you know, <laughs> if I'm
1: going to do it. And, uh, and, and, he, and Tony said something that just like fundamentally changed my life, which, which he said, the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of uncertainty that you can comfortably live with. Hmm. And I realized that I had spent my whole life, you know, uh, retiring young w- was part of this, w- w- which was building this fortress of certainty. Around my life, that I had tried to protect myself. That's why I was afraid to ride on roller coasters or airplanes and all of these things, because it was all about certainty. It was all about making sure that nothing can touch me. Right. And in what I was doing, it, it was like it was like strapping myself to a chair and protecting myself. I was living inside a very small bubble <laughs> uh, of protection, and I could live in that bubble and maybe be protected. Right. But I wouldn't be living my life. Right. And so when that that triggered in my head. I also around that same time started to realize that I needed to I needed to share this. This is like this is more important if than anything else that I'm doing is that I if I can get other people to see this if not just not just the the certainty versus uncertainty but all of these concepts all of these things that were fundamentally had changed my life had brought fulfillment to my life not just achievement but fulfillment and if I could share those things and I realized that that was connected to my purpose in life. So that's when I made that shift. And, and I, started, I discovered how to find your purpose, which which was that, because a lot of people would ask me this and, and yeah. I wasn't sure, like, what is my purpose in life? Right. And how do you even answer that question? And, and what I realized was that one day it just came to me, I said, well, what would you do, John, if no matter what station you were in life, no matter what context, what would you do in any situation? And I thought, okay, well, if I were a janitor, I would learn as much as I could about how to be the best possible janitor, and I, you couldn't stop me from teaching everyone else because that's well, I would have to share what I'm learning, right? And so I realized that that was it. That was my purpose is the thing that I would do no matter what that no one could possibly ever stop me doing that I've done my whole life, regardless of where I've been or what career I've been in. And that's, for me, it's, it's taking information from a lot of different places, learning, improving myself, and then sharing that with other people. And so I realized that my business should probably be the the same as my purpose in life, right. like my focus, and I and I shifted it there, and so really that the soft skills became more personal development, still including the soft skills and career development, but became about just helping developers to be cool, you know, but really to be the best version of themselves possible.
0: So let's just dive in to remove the veil and okay, dive into how you actually do this. So. Can you break down some of the numbers and metrics that you do in terms of how many, like how much content you're putting on YouTube, blog posts, newsletters? I know you have a partner now who helps you with this, but as SimpleProgrammer.com, right? You know, including all the interviews that you're doing, including today, right? Can you give us just kind of throw some numbers out and how much you're producing actually, so people get a context of how much work you're actually doing?
1: Sure. So yeah, like you said, it's not all me anymore. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do this. So I do have a, a wonderful team, but I would say that so. On YouTube is probably where I'm being the most prolific and where it is the m- mostly me. I'm doing two to three videos a day, usually about 15 to 17 a week. And then uh, as far as the Simple Programmer blog, we put out about four content pieces per week. Three of them blog posts, one of them, a transcript from one of the videos. We have the Simple Programmer podcast, which is a daily podcast. And then we've got... New, a newsletter a weekly roundup newsletter and then we're doing daily emails now uh, my business partner Josh Earl is is the brilliant copywriter who, who does those he he asked me for embarrassing stories and, <laughs> and then those end up in in emails and then trying to think if there's anything other other content we're putting out well we do a video podcast which is it's the same content but syndicated and then I do interviews, of course, on the YouTube channel as well as other, maybe an interview with someone where they interview me about once a week. And. Forgetting your products, real estate products, the things that you develop, it sounds Mm -hmm.
0: like. You have like products you're developing always on the side, aren't you? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like fitness stuff or maybe real estate products, you think people that people can purchase or courses.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so we've got courses on improving your career, you know, marketing yourself, building a brand, mm-hmm. uh, learning things quickly, right. on real estate investment for software developers and a few other things like making money from your blog and then i've got stuff in the works around i'm uh, going to do a course on fitness and diet i've been been working on that been dogfooting my own program first before I, before I put that out and there's there's a bunch of things still on the radar from i would like to do a course on overcoming your fears because it, i it feel like i figured out a secret or not a secret but a a solid technique for doing that so there's there's all those those courses and yeah, I think I think that's about all the <laughs> <so far. laughs> all the content pieces that were. So how do you doing. do
0: that, right? So you have okay. all the stuff that's coming out. Mm. How does somebody who wants to build their own brand do this? I, I guess maybe that's the wrong question. Can you just uh, deconstruct, like maybe not everything, but let's say your YouTube uh, or maybe some of the content and, and the podcasting things that you're doing? How do you scale this or automate this so you're not doing everything yourself, which It's going to be the natural first step that everybody thinks is that i'm going to go record i'm going to edit it i'm going to upload it and promote it and do all this stuff you probably have a little more streamlined version of this so to be able to
1: produce as much tell us a little bit how you do it right so what what i do well starting from the beginning i I would say that the the first thing that i do is that i develop a system Mm. i think that's really important you do have to do things yourself first in order to develop a good system so when I started doing let's take YouTube I recorded the videos myself and I didn't do a huge amount of volume right I, I kept it small to start in order to develop the system and as I record the videos I edited the videos I put the videos up on YouTube put the descriptions the thumbnails did the tags and the, the titles and, and all of those things and schedule them but then what I did was, as I was doing this, I wrote up an actual process for, for how it needs to be done, and I put it into a, a wiki. And I made sure that I followed that process and that I could follow that process. And then once I had the process, that gave me a speed boost, right? So at that point, I could now streamline what I was doing. I could batch certain things up, you, once you, you have that, that system in place. And then I hired someone to, to take that process in and do, you know, I looked at the process and, and you say, what are the things that I have to do and really the only thing I have to do is record the video that's that's pretty simple so if I only have to record the video and I can have someone else do all the rest of the stuff I could produce a lot more content and you know I think that's that's critical for for, for anything whether even blog posts you'd be surprised I figured out how I could just do the writing and someone else could put images and format it and edit it and do all that and schedule it and for you know get it on on WordPress so for YouTube, what I ended up doing was I hired someone to do editing and I had them go through the process and they started off a little bit slow and eventually we got to the point where now, when I record a YouTube video, I just drop it in Dropbox and my editor edits it, takes care of every single other piece in the la- and I never touch it again. It just it just goes out there. So I also have a team that, so, so I think really one of the key things is is having a process and then the second step is hiring good people, which you know I went through in order to hire that editor, I put a job out on Upwork, and about maybe 30 or 40 people applied, and I, I had it really detailed of what my job needed to be, because I had the process, I knew exactly what to tell them that they needed to do. And I took 10 people that were the top 10 people I thought, and I hired all of them to edit one video, the same video not different videos, right? My, my goal was, I'm gonna invest a little bit of money to find the right person. Right. And then I compared the results. And I didn't just compare the results, I compared how well did they do editing? How much did they charge per hour? How many hours did they bill me for, right? How long is it gonna take them to actually do this? And how was their communication? And I found that some people charge $5 an hour and build me for 15 or 20 hours worth of work. And some people a $100 an hour and build me for one and a half hours worth of work and produce a better quality product. So. I ended up being able to very clearly compare apples to apples on in all those areas, and, and the, the editor that I ended up hiring, he was the, the clear standout. So I, I do believe, you know, one of the I had, and I had made mistakes in hiring before, and, and so I realized from those mistakes that if you're going to do this, if you're going to be prolific, if you're going to have you know, this level of, of of content, you have to have really, really good people that can follow the schedule and, and can can keep this thing going. So I did that with YouTube, and then a similar situation with the blog posts. Now I have an editorial team that m- essentially manages the blog and they recruit writers.
0: Sorry, we're really loud outside, but
1: uh so they recruit writers. So we have a lot of writers. I don't write all the content myself now. I do usually one blog post a week and then the writers fill in the other stuff and then we also have the editorial team taking care of all this again it it comes down to what is the minimum that I can do and then the other other thing I'd say like the third thing would be syndication right so the secret to the podcast the simple programmer podcast is it's just the audio from the YouTube so can I create content on one platform and can I syndicate it to other platforms right you know in the syndicated platforms are not going to be as good typically as as your main platform but you you, you should figure out how to be as prolific as possible at least on one platform and then if you can syndicate you're going to get a lot of benefits it. And then syndication is really just figuring out how can you reuse these these assets? You know, right. if, you, if you've got a podcast, can you have it transcribed? And can you have a writer uh, turn it into a blog post, right? right. Can you, you know, wh- what is the flow? You could start with a YouTube video. You could, uh, when I do YouTube interviews, uh, for which end up going on the podcast and YouTube, I use Google Hangouts, which uh, makes it real simple because it's it does the camera switching based on when someone's speaking. Yep. So that cuts down on that. So I'm trying to you know simplify things as as much as possible, make it a solid, repeatable process, and then hire that out and then syndicate.
0: Thank you so much for sharing some of the secrets of how you do things behind. Um, and you, you have your repeatable creativity in that way. Can you just do a couple things? First question is, you mentioned some of the books that other people are, were recommending to you and other resources that really influenced you. Are there some books that you would recommend or resources that you'd recommend people to kind of start looking into to develop some of these mindsets as well as yeah, essentially the mindsets that are important? And secondly, how can people find out more about you and kind of where, where can they find you and whatnot?
1: So I've got 10 books here, which I can send a link as well, but I can at least name them. One of them is How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's by Dale Carnegie, really good book just about people, skills, and communication. One of those books that I, I, I read probably once or twice a year just because it is so valuable for, for dealing with and, and communicating with people. The second one is The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, another old book that is just has What I would call financial wisdom. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot, there's a lot of books that have financial tactics. Mm -hmm. This is wisdom that is based on principles that will never, ever pass away. This will always be valuable to you. Right. Uh, The next one is called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And this is a book that is a book all about being human and overcoming procrastination, which we we all struggle with, especially if you're creative in in any way. It's it's really about how to sit down and and get work done when you when you don't feel like doing it, and and really the approach that it takes is the uh, the sympathetic approach that you know the uh, the author of the book Stephen Pressfield. He's a writer and he knows how hard it is and he names that thing that's fighting against you and he calls it resistance with a capital R. So he gives it a name and he talks about what it does and this was a really a book that really helped me to get past times when I was struggling with, with getting things done and, and you know uh, doing work when I didn't feel motivated. Uh, the next one is e Revisited by Michael Gerber. This yeah. was a book that has, uh, that saved my business because I stopped trying to do everything myself. So a lot of the systems and things I talked about there came right out of that book, and that book saved me. Another older book called As a Man Thinketh*. This is a really short book that is all about the proper mindset to have in life. This is something mm. that I think everyone should read because it will. It really is just a content version of the proper mindset. Okay. The Way of the Superior Man, this is a book by David Data. It's a little bit of a weird book. It's m- maybe more geared towards men, but I feel like it w- is a book that really influenced me. Mm. And then I would say Moral Letters to uh, Lucilius, uh, Letters from a Stoic. This is uh, okay. Seneca's Letters, uh, really really good stuff in there. Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> just because this is a-, a book that, regardless of what political side or, or where you fall on the spectrum, this book will make you think about things because it, it explores uh, a lot of a lot of really interesting concepts. And then uh, the final one, or I've got two more, I guess, Psycho-Cybernetics. Uh, and this is a, a book by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who is like a plastic surgeon who figured out that we cannot essentially act any different than what our self-image is. And so the only way to really change our actions is to alter our self-image, which it's, it's funny when I discovered this book, because I said, wow, that's kind of what I did when I was like 18. When I, when I, you know, had that, I I changed myself, I envisioned myself differently. And that, that was how I changed myself. And then finally, I have a, a really good book by Brian Tracy. That is sort of a, a book that combines a lot of the stuff that maybe Tony Robbins says, and a lot of inspirational gurus say, which is maximum achievement strategies and skills that will unlock your hidden powers to succeed. Uh, A really good book by Brian Tracy that just, the reason why I recommend this one is just because you can read a lot of other books that are really, really good, but this one takes a lot of that information and condenses it in, in one place. So there you go. I have to give you a lot of books because I, I read so many books. I'm no. always excited about There's books. There's like several
0: books I've actually never heard of. And so just, I'm really excited to kind of dive into that. Okay. The last question is, uh, I was asking before, uh, how can our audience
1: find you online and kind of follow you and subscribe to your channel? So you can always go to simpleprogrammer.com, but I I would probably recommend just going to YouTube and typing in Simple Programmer, going to YouTube slash Simple Programmer and subscribing to the YouTube because that's where that's where my newest sort of my, my more creative content comes out, that's where uh, you, you can find the, the type of stuff that I, I talked about in this podcast, that's where you can find that, that kind of content. I've got a lot of technical content and soft skills stuff for, for developers as well you know, on the, on the blog, but if you're interested in, in what we're talking about, the YouTube would be the place to go, so. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our
0: podcast. For a complete transcript of this episode or to find previous episodes, visit our website at businessdesignpodcast.com. Have a question or comment? Email us at questions at businessdesignpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for Business Design Podcast. And follow us on Twitter for updates between episodes.